Hi, and welcome to episode 3 of Rambling About Greek Mythology, a lax podcast where I just talk about a lot of Greek mythology. So, this episode today is considered part 2 of the Older Gods, and we'll be talking about mostly Gaia and all of her descendants, and also Eros. Uh, the focus on Eros will be more of an analytical focus, actually, compared to our usual uh, just kind of like facts, 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 and a bunch of information to digest. Uh, and Gaia will just be more so the usual of like, okay, there are a ton of kids. I apologize in advance. Um, this type of episode just has to be this way because Gaia has so many descendants that you need to know. Um, and they get they get interwoven in a lot of other stories, so it should be okay for the most part. But uh, conventionally, if I'm going to be speaking about all of it, there will just be a lot that you need to hear. So let's dive right in. So Gaia is Mother Earth. Um, you're, you can also see her name as like uh, Telemater, I think, um, or Ge, just G-E. So she's thought to be a flat disk, actually. So flat earthers kind of went out here. And she's surrounded by Oceanus, or Okeanus, um, where we obviously get ocean. And it's just this river that flows around Gaia, but into itself. So it gets like a weird epithet, like backward flowing or whatever. Um, but really, that just means it's flowing into itself. And this is why sometimes in myths, you see that Oceanus is said to be the father of all gods. Um but in the general scheme, tends to just be the father of like the Oceanids and all like pretty much every river deity you can probably guess is a son of Oceanus. So let's talk about who Gaia births on her own. Um, so she births Pontus, which is just like an ancient sea deity, um, which makes sense if you think about like you have this earth and it's like this water had to come from the earth is kind of the logic. So, okay, she births Pontus. Also, Uranus or Uranus, the ancient sky deity. Same logic can be followed that, like, oh, the sky, Earth had to produce it, right? Why would it just be there? Um, and a bunch of mountains. So that one's really easy to follow because mountains come from the ground. That's kind of the logic. And they're also their terrain, if you think about where the geography is. Pretty good to conclude. So let's talk about now who she has with her kids. Um, so with Pontus, she has Forcus. Keto, or Keto, but with an E, uh, Nereus, Eurybia, and Thaumas, who are pretty much just ancient sea deities, um, but they produce really significant offspring, and that's really more where their importance come from, comes from for us, as opposed to just like who they are. So Forcus and Cato produce the Graii, um, they're pretty much just these old women who, like, if you've read Percy Jackson, there's the whole, like, they share one eye and one tooth, um, and their names are Pemfredo, Pemfredo, which sounds a lot like Alfredo to me, but no one seems to like think the same thing. Uh, Enyo and Dano. Uh, and they're pretty much involved in the Perseus story, so we'll talk about them more when we get there. Um, they also so Forcus and Cato also produce the Gorgons. Um, so probably heard of the Gorgons, Medusa. Then she has two sisters, Steno and Uriali. Um, they also have involvement in Perseus' story. The only thing we want to note right now is just Theno and Uriali are immortal, but Medusa is mortal. So that's just like an interesting distinction to note, that it's weird that like two of the three daughters are immortal, but not all of them. They also have Ladon. Um, he's the dragon that guards the Garden of the Hesperides. 
would show up every now and then. They were like a gift to uh, Hera for the marriage with Zeus, uh, given by Gaia, actually. And so Ladon doesn't really do a good job of defending this garden, though. Like, everyone seems to be able to get apples from him. So he's, like, not doing a good job. But he still somehow becomes the Constellation Draco by Hera. So I think that may just be kind of like a nepotism thing as opposed to anything else. And finally, Forcus and Cato also have Thusa. Uh, she's just the mother of Polyphemus, this famous Cyclops from the Odyssey uh, by Poseidon. Now, Forcus also has one other kid uh, on the side with uh, Crataeus. Sometimes uh, you'll see her to be said as just like another name for Hecate or Hecate. Um, but seemingly she's just a random water nymph. And uh, Forcus and Crataeus had Scylla, whose story we'll talk about in the Odyssey episodes. Now, let's move on from there to Nereus. So Nereus um, is pretty significant in terms of like who his kids are. Uh, so he's he's one of your like classic old men of the sea there's there's a name for him and then there's a name for proteus another old man of the sea although i think proteus mostly keeps that name Nereus doesn't really get it too often either way with doris um a daughter of oceanus and tethys which we will from now on just call an oceanid um they have the 50 nereids so again, this is another list where I don't think it's super worth to just list all 50 for you. It will just be really like long-lasting and dragging, and you do not need that for how much information there already will be in this episode. So again, I'll just add to the Google Doc. You can check it out there if you wish. But there are notable ones that we will talk about nonetheless. So one is Amphitrite. She's the wife of Poseidon, so you can think of her as like the queen of the sea. Um, there's Chimothoe. She is this Nereid who, like, helps uh, Triton save Aeneas' ships in the Aeneid. So we'll talk about it when we get there more in depth. There's Galatea, the love interest of Polyphemus, the Cyclops. Now there's Pronoia. So Pronoia, I put her on this list just to play it safe. Um, it's not really, like, 100% certain in this one, and I couldn't find it in anything whether or not this is so. Um... I didn't see why it would be unlikely. So Pronoia possibly is the mother of Deucalion, who's like the Greek version of Adam. Um, although maybe Adam is based off of Deucalion. Not really sure. Uh, via Prometheus. So Pronoia and Prometheus may have had Deucalion. Don't know if Pronoia, though, is an Ariad or just another person. Um but I'm pretty sure, like, pronoia is derived from, like, the Greek for, like, pro, it's from pro, and then, like, nous, like, mind, um, which, which would make sense with, like, Prometheus, like, the whole forethought thing. So, maybe it's just, like, you know, a name uh, they developed. Then you have Samathe. She's the mother of Phocus by Iacus, uh, the grandfather of Achilles. Um, and then Thetis, the mother of Achilles by Peleus, uh, son of Iacus. So the thing with the Nereids to really keep in mind um, is keeping track of like, okay, you since you now know that they're Nereids, you know how ancient they are. So you also know how important they are, right? Like age tends to mean a fair amount of importance. And also maybe you'll start to stick out to you the drastic age differences that must be occurring uh, in mythology. But like with Samathe and Thetis, for example, so 
uh, Achilles' dad, Peleus, who's also a son of Iacchus, with his along with his brother Telamon, uh, kill Phocus, who's like their half brother. And so Samathe, out of rage, sends like a wolf to ravage uh, Peleus' flocks, like uh, sheep, probably, I don't know, some ex flocks. And Thetis actually, they're not married yet, Peleus and Thetis, that is. But Thetis actually negotiates with Samathe to like, you know, uh, save the flocks and so she turns into she turns the wolf into stone so you can already see interaction that's occurring just within like two people we just talked about who seemingly were just like you know sisters um but there seems there's like so much more interaction and i think that's what you want to keep in mind when you're hearing all these lists is like do we see any interaction if so how does it occur um so yeah we'll move on now to Eurybia. so Eurybia is kind of a like weird one out so to speak um because she actually marries a titan creus or cryos however you want to pronounce it um who's the son of gaia and uranus we'll talk about that later so eurybia and cryus have astrius um so that sounds a lot like maybe if you know latin uh like astra like star and so he's the father of the winds so like boreas the north wind Zephyrus, the west wind, and Notus, the south wind, uh, all, like, he fathered them upon Eos, or Eos, however you want to pronounce it, um, she's, like, Dawn is her, like, I guess, domain. Then, uh, Eurybia and Creus also have Pallas, so Pallas kind of, it's, it's the same spelling as, like, the epithet Pallas Athena, so P-A-L-L-A-S, uh, is the father of Nike, like victory, Kratos, uh, strength, Bia, violence, and Zelos, like emulation. It's like, em- like emulation, that's such a dumb word, uh, but it's kind of, at least like, I don't know, seems like a weird word to choose, but it's pretty much like the ambition to like go for like an achievement is kind of the idea, like to be quite literally zealous um, in English. And so, Pallas fathers all of these four by Styx, um, an Oceanid. And so these four are really important. Um, we'll encounter them uh, within the next episode, I believe, episode or two. And so they're like four really important uh, like concepts slash people to keep in mind. And the big thing about them is that like you should be noticing a lot of these uh, names and children we're still talking about are really conceptual um and really abstract they don't tend to be real physical things um i mean you can i guess you can think about most names in mythology that way if you start doing like name derivations but that's just like a thing to keep in mind um then finally Eurybia and cryos also have perses so p-e-r-s-e-s uh who's the father of hecate or hecate uh by asteria so she's like a sister of leto um and they're both daughters of Coius and Phoebe. Uh, so Leto, if you recognize the name, she's the mother of Apollo and uh, Artemis. So we'll talk about her later for sure. But this is just a little like, oh, look, Asteria. Because um, most people don't know that she exists. Now, finally, we'll move on to Thaumas. So Thaumas uh, and Electra, another Oceanid, actually have Iris. Uh, the messenger goddess, the whole goddess of the rainbow uh, ordeal, and Arce, or Arce, so it's like A-R-C-E. Um, so she 
I've literally never heard of her before until I looked at this like Barthel book. So take that for what you will. Um, I thought it was interesting though, because it has like a very interesting story behind her. So what's said is, is that she actually sided with the Titans during the Titanomachy, which should be the next episode or so, maybe the one after the next. And for like siding with them, she was actually stripped of her wings, which in some versions uh, may have been given to Achilles, which is why he can travel so quickly. Uh, another version I've seen in the Grimal, one of the books I've cited, uh, is he's given like in his uh, like I think his heel bone or something is like replaced with uh, the bone of like Damisus, this giant who is known for being super swift, and that's why he can run quickly. So. Here's kind of like already your taste of different versions. Um, I We talked about it last time, but this is like story-wise now. Different versions, completely different ideas. And, it you know, it just kind of depends on what version, who decided to write it. Uh, but yeah, keeping those in mind and keeping track of those is always very interesting. Finally, we have the Harpies. So the Harpies will encounter in the Argonaut story later, so I won't really go into too much detail, but I'll list out the names. Um, so they're Ilo. Uh, A-E-L-L-O uh, Ocipite or Occipite like O-C-Y-P-E-T-E Kilino, uh and Podargy Podargy actually for how much like the book like boom roasts the uh, harpies for not being the most pretty um, she's the wife of Zephyrus like the west wind uh, so she clearly did okay um, and yeah she also isn't as involved in the whole uh Phineas story as far as I'm aware, but again, talk about it in the Argonauts like miniseries, so we'll do that then. So now, that's pretty much all of like Gaia's descendants' kids or offspring's kids, so now we can move on to Gaia with Uranus. So Gaia with Uranus bore the Melii, they're just Ash Nymphs, um, that's pretty much all there is to them. They're now the Erinyes, uh, known as like the Furies, or the Eumenides, uh, the Kindly Ones, or like Semnithei, the Venerable Goddesses. Um, so the whole the whole thing, the reason why I'm saying all these different names is you don't really refer to them as the Furies. Um, after one myth story, this is more specific to Athens, so I don't know what the general uh, consensus was amongst like, you know, the Peloponnese as a whole, but... The thing for Athens was is is they ruled uh, or after like Orestes uh, Orestes's trial on the Areopagus, where he like I guess is ruled in favor of that like you know his actions were fine and whatnot. Um, they were said to have like changed in demeanor. Um, don't know how true that is, and maybe it's just an Athens thing. But either way, there's a bunch of names to know for them. And so the names of the group, uh, as always, group names are really critical to know, uh, which is why I've been listing them all out, is Tisiphone, Electo, and Megara. And so, yeah, they're, the basic uh, function of them is they're thought to be like vengeful deities, and they like punish people for like killing family. Um, they'll appear in a fair amount of stories, I've already said, that we will talk about in due time. Um, whether or not the crime's justified. That's a big thing about the killing, is whether or not the crime's justified, you will be, like, punished for it. 
Um, as also shown in the Aeneid, we have seen that they can just be used to stir up madness, like as like a means to do that. Maybe that is a bit more poetic uh, stretch and reach from Virgil, because um, that's the only place I really see that, as opposed to just driving people mad for like their actions. Because this is just in the Aeneid, it's more driving people mad for the sake of driving people mad. Um, so yeah, with Uranus, Gaia also bore the Hecatonchires. They're these like. Uh, big like giant kind of figures with like a hundred arms and uh they also had 50 heads so their names are Cotus, briarius uh apparently known as igion to mortals i'm pretty sure that's said in uh either the aeneid or the metamorphoses i think it's i think it's the aeneid um but He's involved in a fair amount of stories. He's the only one that's really involved in a fair amount of stories, besides all of the, like, Hecatonchires being involved in, like, the battles with the Titans and whatnot. Um, he is the one that uh, Thetis recruited to help free Zeus when Poseidon, Hera, and Athena tried to overthrow them. Um, he was also involved in the judgment of who was to be the patron for Corinth between Helios and Poseidon. So you can see, like, here he has a fair amount of involvement um, I don't really know why he has, like, a name known to mortals and then a name, like, I guess a more, like, immortal divine name. I'm not really sure from, like, everything I've read. Uh, so, yeah, if you have, if you know, I set my email in, like, the description, please shoot me an email uh, in that regard. And then Gaius. So, Katos, Briarius, and Gaius are, like, the three uh, Hecatonchires. So, yeah, then we have the Cyclopes. Um, so these Cyclopes are different from like just your, you know, like Polyphemus Cyclops. Like there's a bunch of those Cyclopes, but these are like the Cyclopes. Um, and so this, I mean, same like, you know, phys physiology and whatnot of like the one eye. Um, but they are different. Like these like are like stand out in myth. So they're named Argies, who's also known as Piracmon in other stories, um, Brontes and Steropes. So this one's always been kind of easy to remember because like RGs, Brontes, Steropes, they all have the E's thing and then it's like just ABS. Uh, I don't know why, but it's always just stuck with me. And so they are like the divine like smiths for Zeus. So they're the ones who like fashion his thunderbolts and stuff that like destroy everything. Um, but they are killed by Apollo eventually. So clearly not immortal or maybe this is like the immortal killing immortal transcendence of what it means to be immortal. Um, Apollo kills them out of anger when Zeus killed Asclepius, Apollo's, Apollo's son, uh, who we'll talk about later, both in like the Metamorphoses and I'm sure just in Apollo's episodes. Uh, and yeah, so he kills them. So there's some, you know, uh, discrepancy on like, I guess, were they just like really long living mortals or what was that whole deal? So finally, the two groups uh, that... Uranus and Gaia had were the giants. So they have a absurdly long list. Um, kind of like the Nereids, not 50, more like 20, um, but really not that relevant to list right now, uh, just because there is the Gigantomachy episode that we will have for sure. So like, I'll just list them all then because almost all the relevant ones that are like mentioned in books also show up in the Gigantomachy. So we'll just leave it for then. We also have the Titans. Um, again, just like the Giants, although there's only 12 that we need to really talk about. Um, I guess like 15 or 16 if you include other generations. Uh, we'll discuss it in the Titanomachy episode. 
because it just makes more sense than already extending this extremely long like and brutally dense um listing of just oh look at all these kids look at all their kids look at all these kids make all these connections oh it's so simple you know so we'll leave it for later so those are pretty much all of the main uh, offspring and then descendants of offspring i wanted to talk about um for gaia uh there are like others here and there because again she's said to be like you know the earth so anything that spawns from the earth is said to have been like from her um so there are others that we will encounter in different little stories that i don't find relevant for mentioning right now it will also some of them are just way too complicated uh in terms of like chronology and trying to explain what they are who they are what they mean so we'll just do that later so eros let's talk about eros the only other person we have and uh yeah so eros is considered to be the youngest um i don't know if i talked about the order but it technically goes chaos gaia tartarus then eros so eros is considered to be the youngest of the four the last of the four to appear and so eros is the embodiment of love um eros is not you should not confuse eros with the later cupid eros like son of aphrodite or venus depending on your version um they are not the same uh like people although eros this more ancient one isn't really depicted so i don't know how to think about it but what i would say is is just understand that the eros that like you know most likely like cupid um that you see in like paintings and stuff is more around the concept of like making people fall in love and making people hate each other just kind of like trivially like there's no like a real consequence of it you know like little stories come out of it but not like creation consequence um of like the level that eros like this ancient one has so in like hesiod's theogony eros is described to be the ultimate counselor of gods and men um considered to be very necessary for world creation because love is like what makes people and things appear right um that is like how like this production is occurring of all these deities and whatnot um and also like you know sophocles's uh antigone there's like a choral ode it's like line 780 or 790 somewhere around there uh it talks about how eros is like unconquered in battle and war and uh how he i guess he um influences everyone and that's like the super critical thing like no one overpowers eros like everyone's been influenced and that's what this more um abstract eros should be what you think of like in terms of like competition and stuff and knowing myth whatever eros is just there but in terms of like a really deep understanding and thinking about myth it's really critical to consider and think about Eros as as little as like, you know, no offspring was produced, right? Um, Eros is like the glue and the like catalyst for how myth plays out and how all of it goes down. It's like fate and Eros. They're like intertwined naturally. So yeah, that is everything I had planned for this episode. Uh, I think... The big takeaways that I want you to get from this whole, like, you know, super dense listing 
is all the little connections, right? There are these connections here and there. You'll see like, oh yeah, this will be mentioned in this story. This will be mentioned in this story. And that's fine. You just have to wait. It will come. And then you will start to like piece more and more together. But also just the interwoven connections of like siblings that are like, you know, deity siblings tend to be a bit like less involved than your like mortal siblings. But then like how interwoven those stories are and how like uh, dense these early on like creation stories are and so another big thing is to remember that a lot of concepts are being birthed here and a lot of like more uh physical abstractions than actual like people that we think of the mortals in mythology um but like more so than that there's just a lot of groups you want to like start trying to keep in mind start trying to track and like understand but Beyond that, I mean, there's not too much uh, more information will come as you go through these episodes and understand more and start to make more connections, but that's pretty much everything you should take away. So the next episode may be a much shorter one. It will be pretty much everything uh, post, you know, all these births of like the birthings of the original uh, deities we have and all their descendants, and it will be... Uh, leading up to the Titanomachy. There will be, like, a big episode where we talk about all the fighting and who's on what sides, and now we'll start introducing the Olympians, and they'll start to enter the scene, and we really start to consider who we're working with and what, uh, quote-unquote, modern Greek mythology realm we're going to be uh, studying as we get really later on into uh, this series. So that is pretty much everything I have. Um, I hope, as always, it was digestible. I hope it was fun to listen to. You didn't just fall asleep listening to my voice. And if you have any questions, comments, um, suggestions that you would like to make, I've put my email in the um, podcast description, so you should be able to send uh, anything you have there. But otherwise, I hope found this very uh, educational and I hope you had a lot of fun. Take care.